Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you again for listening to this sports podcast where we have a great show planned for you today. Talking to my buddy Joe Crisali about a couple different things. First off, the NFL season. We're at about the halfway point. Patriots are still rolling on. Their defense looks incredible, how they've been able to do it. We discuss. We also <laughs> mention how the Niners are undefeated, which nobody saw coming. And uh, try to figure out who the best team in the NFC is. I melt down a little bit about the Browns and the AFC picture. Outside the Patriots, we try to paint uh, a nice little pecking order there. And then we talk hockey. The NHL season is a month old. A lot of interesting developments and storylines to get into. This season is uh, as exciting as ever. Some goal of the year candidates already. And then Joe talks about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, an incredible experience that he breaks down in great detail. It's Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, making his long-awaited return to talk some hockey and football. Friend of the show, buddy of mine, Joe Crisali. Joe, thanks for rejoining the program. <laughs> yeah, long-awaited. Had to, Long yeah, awaited. we had to, we had to track you down. You were without cell phone service. You were at a different altitude. We were a little worried, <laughs> but I glad you're okay. I made it back. Well, a lot has happened uh, since our last chat, which was the start of the hockey season. We're going to get to that uh, the first month, recapping just some insane storylines to start. But first off, with the NFL season. Um, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little disappointed with how things are going in uh, the dog pound. Let me just start off with that. Uh, it's been a disaster, and uh, I'll turn it over to you. I just want to get a few things off of uh, my chest here. I think I'm worried that the head coach of my team is a moron. The floor is yours. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I mean, that 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 could be the reason. I don't know. I don't get why they are sucking so bad, other than kitchens. They have the talent. They have the players. They're just not getting the ball in the right players' hands. Like, in the, even in that last game against the Patriots, they ran Nick Chubb into the ground. He was mm-hmm. dominating. He was dominating carries. He was getting everywhere, but they were doing nothing with it. They just kept running the same types of plays. Nick Chubb inside. Nick Chubb stretch play. Nick Chubb this. And they weren't. There was nothing coming off of that. It was just, okay, we're doing this one thing, but as soon as we have to do something else, we have no idea what the hell's going on. Well, I didn't think they yeah. I didn't think they were gonna win this game. I mean that's one thing, but it's week in, week out. This is cumulative with, with this team, with this coach uh not being prepared, false start after false start, including the start of a four, of a quarter, which was great. Uh, they are not prepared, and the offensive game plan stinks. I mean, Chubb had some good runs, but it seems like they either don't give him the ball or they just run him into the ground, like you said. Uh, I think Baker played all right. I mean, he, he's got his issues. The the pitch play right to the D lineman was atrocious, but he was pretty accurate <laughs> given the – yeah, I know, it was, it was ridiculous. But given the, the Patriots' defense being as good as they are, he was pretty accurate. He moved the ball a little bit. But time and time again, this team craps out in the red zone with just some questionable play calling and just the lack of organization from a guy that clearly, in Freddie Kitchens, is over his head. I mean, that that's, at least through seven games, that's where we're at. Yeah, honestly, the Browns losing that game, was it week three against the Rams? They mm-hmm. had a chance to win that game. Yeah. Uh, that Sunday night football game. And I think that really kind of swung there. The last three games, they've given up 
31 to the Niners, 32 to the Seahawks, and 27 to the Pats, who didn't even look that good, but they dominated that game. No. And, and, yeah. In your in uh, your outlook, you get to go play my Denver Broncos, <laughs> my Flacco list Denver Broncos next yeah. week. Brandon Allen. First start ever. Go. No passes in the NFL. Hey, if I'm, you know, that, thank you for saying what what everyone's been thinking. Uh, yeah, the Browns' schedule gets a lot easier from here on out. They are two and five. They could potentially get to nine, maybe even ten wins if they get hot. With the schedule not being the hardest, okay, I might be reaching a little bit, but it is easier. But they haven't shown me anything to make me believe that this is possible. So we're going to take it one game at a time with the Broncos. And if I'm the owner, if I'm Jimmy Haslam, I'm walking into the coaches meeting unannounced and saying, if you don't win this game, heads are going to roll. And I'm slamming the door. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he said that already. But I just doesn't. it just sucks that they have all this talent. I mean, but you see this. You see this happen where all over the place where – um, teams they sign these big name players and make these trades and they have all this talent in one in uh, on one team and they don't have the right guy at the helm meshing it together and that's that's what's happening and that sucks because Baker <laughs> last does. year we were saying Baker y'all he's going to be an MVP quarterback he's going to be awesome and this year he comes out and you're like all right I'm dropping him in fantasy there's there's no need to even have him on there but well he could be a good streaming to... option though late with these garbage time schedules and uh you know games yeah. that were probably out of the playoff picture that he'll play well in. I do want to just note that you know the Patriots they've been in- incredible again. They still don't really realize how good they are. They're still trying to figure out an identity on offense. It's just weird to see it's like a reverse it's like uh the early age of the Patriots where they're getting it done on defense and the offense is is good but but clearly has a lot of room to improve. Yeah, I mean if your defense is putting up as many points as their defense is, your offense needs to be can be anemic, and you'll still be fine. If they had Josh Rosen at quarterback, they'd still be winning games. It doesn't matter. The way that that defense is playing is just completely absurd. Well, let me ask you and, this uh, question, though: Do you think they're the best? Do you think they're clearly the best defense in the NFL? I say so. I don't. I don't know who you put. I have one team. Yeah, that's what I was going to – I mean, actually, I think the Saints are in the discussion. They're not as crisp as the other two teams. But I think, Joe, I think we really got to start considering the Niners in this discussion. Obviously, they're the other undefeated team. Defensively, they are as scary, I would say, as the Patriots. Now, I still would favor the Patriots in a potential Super Bowl matchup because they have Tom Brady in an offense that I think can, can do some more things. But Niner defense, man, they did it the old-fashioned way. Everybody's worried about getting these linebackers, some high-level guys in the skill positions in the, in the defensive back field, the quarterback position. These guys have been drafting D-linemen after D-linemen, and they have built a frightening interior. Uh, what they did to the Panthers, I was not expecting that. That's the biggest shock I had all weekend. That was the, are the 49ers for real game? And they absolutely demolished a 4-2 Panthers team. Granted, Kyle Allen, rookie quarterback, but he looked really good the first couple starts. He beat Houston on the road. and I mean, I don't want to be the guy that says the Niners haven't played anybody, and I'm not going to be that guy because they beat the Rams on the road. They just demolished Carolina. Their schedule's been pretty weak, and their schedule is pretty weak until they play Green Bay, but their their home stretch of games. Everyone's talking about Niners or Niners Super Bowl, mentioning them in the same sentence. I, yeah. I'm still not ready for it. Um, the team is really good, and if you watch Jimmy Garoppolo, you're like, it's, he looks 
to be a total system quarterback, honestly. But that everything might be that, enough. I mean, that, that could be all they that need. Shanahan, everything that Shanahan draws up, he does it to perfection. But you got to think, like, it was Brady. That, Brady's not a system quarterback. But you think Jimmy Garoppolo was taking a few notes when he was watching Tom Brady play quarterback? You got, I mean, come on. Yeah, well, that's and, true. And, and 20 and 2. And, between that Patriots quarterback room of 2014 of Brissett, Brady, and uh, Garoppolo right now with their combined records Brissette this year. Too. Yeah, Ripping so they're 20-2. and two. 20 wins, 2 losses on the season for those three quarterbacks. I do think Garoppolo obviously learned from the GOAT, and, and I do think that Shanahan's instilled in him and, and the team the right offensive approach. They know they have a defense that's a certified weapon. They don't need to be ultra-aggressive. They've got a great running game. They've got great run-blocking schemes that Shanahan implements. Coleman and Breda, if they're healthy, is a great one-two punch. They can find ways to get George Kittle the ball. And they added your boy Manny Sanders to the mix. So I think this offense, another shout-out to the Broncos, helping to make teams better this time of year. Um, no, I mean... You look at what the Niners' defense does. Like Nick Bosa is in the running as a rookie for Defensive Player of the Year, and and the crazy thing to me, Joe, is you can't really consistently double team him because somebody else like Armstead or Buckner will just go crazy. Solomon Thomas doesn't even start for them, and he was a second overall or third overall pick. So I mean, we're we're getting to that point where uh, the Niners are just doing it what the Eagles did and, and just loading that defensive line with bodies. They can rotate in and out. Everyone's fresh. And they're a nightmare to play against. Their offense plays fast. Their defense plays fast. They have what now has turned out to be skilled players all over that defense, which they even last year they were kind of a laughingstock on defense. But those players, they've gotten older, and they know what they're doing, and they have the talent. And like you said, you can toot your Ohio State horn. Bosa is just unbelievable. What he did in that last game, there was a, there was a play in the Texans game when J.J. Watt, came in on the QB and he swatted a ball away and I'm like why didn't he just pick that off the thing was floating there and then I flipped on the Niners game and Bosa picked that ball off in the middle of the air like when he was coming in on Allen and I was like that's what you're supposed to do and then he stiff-armed Allen and another Panther in his way running down the field uh yeah yeah, I mean they're they're frightening and uh I think part of it is it's fair to say we're not ready to see them in the Super Bowl yet Part of the reason to me, Joe, isn't and not to take anything away from the Niners, but the NFC at the top is way deeper than the AFC. I mean, if you, if you were talking about the AFC right now, who do you think the second-best team is? And, and I'll ask you, but it's a debate. Like, you could say Chiefs, Ravens, maybe even Texans or Colts. Um, but in the, in the without, NFC, without you have four teams. Yeah, without Mahomes, it opens things up. In the NFC, you have the four division leaders. I'll say three because the Cowboys are probably a step behind the other two. But Saints, Niners, and Packers are all pretty good in, in – I could see any one of them making the Super Bowl. I uh, Saints. I mean, they might have it in them this year. They won Teddy B. What he went went five and zero or something five and like zero. Like you were saying about that defense, their defense is no joke. Green Bay's defense is no joke. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of this world. Hmm. And like you said, Dallas. I mean, Dallas is pretty good too. But then you even look at the wild card teams, uh, the current wild card teams. The Seahawks are six and two. The Vikings are six and two. The Rams are just biting in there at five and three. Like. The NFC it's tough. is way deeper. Yeah. It's, un- it's unbelievable. You kind of wish you could flip some of these teams in the AFC to balance it out a little bit because the Patriots have no one. Honestly, what's the next best team? The Bills? I, and that, did, well, yeah, that it's not the Bills. The Bills are going to make the playoffs based <laughs> on their schedule. I think we learned that when they got destroyed by the Eagles at home. 
I would still say Chiefs. They just have to stay afloat. You know, Andy Reid continues to mess up with the clock situation, but this is where I'll give him credit. He had that team looking competitive with Matt Moore in there. So either Matt Moore is like a legit quarterback and better than we all thought, or more likely, Reid did a good job putting the ball, putting him in situations to succeed. I think the Chiefs just need to kind of stay afloat these next couple weeks, and when Mahomes comes back, I think they'll be fine. I wouldn't rush him back this week. I think just sit him at least one to two more weeks, and they're still, in my opinion, the clear second-best team. I mean, you'll, we'll see this week. They, they host the Vikings, so if they can take down the Vikings, then we won't be talking about them as not being as good without Mahomes because they still have everybody else on that, yeah. on that team. Their defense just isn't that great. They can't really stop that many people. Shady is a, is a little iffy at running back, but who knows? They're just one of those teams. But, yeah, in the AFC, there's not much else behind the Patriots, so I think we're going to have to say Chiefs there, even without Mahomes. Because what are you going to say? The Colts, Jacoby Brissett, although he did rip my heart out, <laughs> getting out of that safety and completing that pass to Hilton and that BS 51-yard field goal by Vinicius. Because I'm sick, I'm sick of watching the Broncos lose as time expires. I mean, two and six record, uh, and they could be about five and three, six and two. It's been one of those years. I actually don't think they're that bad of a team. Um, we'll see now without Flacco. Flacco, who may have been taken out, you know, after the press conference, it was just fishy. Yeah, and he rips the team, exactly and then immediately why. has a neck problem. That's exactly why he went up there, and he was just ripping the coaching. And then they were like, you know, I get this guy out of here. We and then Elway hit him in the back of the head with I a chair. Agree. I agree with everything he said. He said we're a two and six team. Why are we not? Why are we not going for it there? third down why are we running it why are we not trying to get the first down we need to get in the end zone we need to do this these are the things that we should be doing and blah 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 and I guess Elway or Fangio didn't like it but yeah he seemed fine after the game like it's it's a ghost injury it's got to be a ghost injury they're saying it they could keep him out from anywhere from one to three weeks five to eight weeks he might be out for the season they're just gonna he might die he might die he might be dead Blacko wasn't great we all knew he wasn't gonna be great so for them to expect him to be better than he was while he while out there, like, give me a break. But like you said, the team could be five and three. But they're two and six. Both wins coming while I was in Africa, so I didn't get to see any of the wins. So, nor did I know that they won. So we'll see you back. going back oh, there then. They won two games. Yeah, I should have just stayed there. Should have just stayed at the top of the mountain. But um, uh, well, the other teams in the AFC Colts. Jaguars, I think, are sneaky with Minshew. Mm. Who knows what they're going to do? With, who knows what they're going to do with uh, with him when Foles comes back? Honestly, yeah, you can't really keep that eighty million dollar man on the bench. But I might Baltimore, say I might say Texans. I mean, I'm I've never really been uh, high, super high on the Ravens. I think they're you know they're about where they should be. I just I mean, if we're if we're judging, Joe, if we're judging two questions is who's going to finish the second best in the AFC or or. My, the question that I want to ask is, who has the best chance, if any chance, of going into Foxborough and winning the AFC Championship game? I think those are two different questions. I just cannot see Lamar Jackson doing it. Do you see him going in and outsmarting and outperforming a Belichick-driven defense? I just don't see it. I mean, I don't see that either. The only team would be the Chiefs with Mahomes. Yeah. Maybe I, the Texans. Maybe, yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's where... Yeah, I agree with you. I do think that the Colts have built are, are building something. I just don't think they're ready yet. I think maybe next year you add a few more pieces. Brissett gets another year, maybe. I like what they're doing, but I would say Texans. I think Watson's Joe Watson's got that special something. He really he really does. 
He does. And Bears fans hate it because they're stuck with Trubisky when they could have had Watson <laughs> or Mahomes. But that's neither here nor there. No, it but, isn't. Uh, uh, Joe Cristalli yeah, here I'll on the Money Mitch effect. I just want to. I wanted to bring up a few other things in the NFL. You, you mentioned the Bears Chargers game. There's been a lot of. Would you say there's been a lot more bad coaching and bad decision making at the helm? I know I'm sounding bitter with uh, Freddie Kitchens as my coach, but I feel like there's just been a ton of bad decision-making this year. There's got to be. The teams that are really good are just steamrolling everyone else <laughs> for the most part. But, yeah, Chicago, what the hell's going on? That was ridiculous. The if end of busy, that game. It, it, yeah, uh, it, you're going you're gonna to leave it on that guy? To get that's, that yeah. Goal? Look, we can, we can say obviously Trubisky has not been good, but Matt Nagy was coach of the year last year. And if you look at what he's done in these games, the amount of times he's thrown the ball versus run it, I think that speaks volumes for, for not having a good game plan. But they laid up, Joe, for a 41-yard field goal. I mean, that is insane. I know he said you're likely to fumble the ball, but you know what happened in that game? Pinero already missed the field goal. You know what didn't happen in that game? Our Bears running back fumbling the ball. Yeah, and they were dominating in that game. Montgomery had his first 100-yard game of the year mm-hmm. on the ground. And Trubisky wasn't that terrible in that game. I don't understand why they didn't try to get it. They had a timeout. I don't know why they didn't try to just get a couple more yards. He was rolling out. and Yeah, I mean, he was rolling out and running. He picked up those yards on the ground. So at the very least, you roll him out. Maybe you don't trust him. If that's the case, you need to get somebody else in there immediately. But he rolled out and gained first down yardage to put them into that position. So, yeah, that was bad. Um, Dan Quinn in Atlanta just what? consistently bad all year. I mean, Freddie Kitchens, obviously. And your guy Fangio not really making some good decisions either. He's really not. He's definitely a defensive-minded coach from everything we've seen. The offense has been just brutal to watch. And then they trade away Sanders, so now it's all on Sutton. Who I will admit, bright spot, Sutton, Lindsey, and Freeman. The, the duo of Lindsey and Freeman in the backfield I like a lot. Sutton is for sure, to me at least, a uh, surefire number one receiver. He he's young now, but he's got he runs great routes. He's quick. He goes up. He gets balls. He doesn't he fights for everything. And uh, I don't know, defense not great. <laughs> they Fangio being a defensive minded coach, you think it'd be a little bit better. Not being able to stop those teams uh, within what the two minute drill in the fourth quarter, or even less time than that is what's been killing them. They'll go up with a minute left, and then they'll lose the game because they can't get one stop on defense. And they take stupid penalties. The reason that the Colts got ahead on that and they got the yardage to kick a field goal is because Broncos took a stupid penalty. It's like 20 seconds left in the game, and they gave them an extra 15 yards, and then they're in field goal range. So I just think the team isn't as disciplined as it should be. They're not making the right play calls, and the defense is not good. (laughs) So, And everyone, they they have some skill players, but they just... They're just not winning games. Yeah, it'd be great if they had a guy like Shaq Barrett, right? I mean, that would be. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to talk about that one. <laughs> no, I it's Before it's not great. But I think Quinn's the first one to get fired, unless unless the Broncos win this week, then I think it might be Kitchens. But the firing situation is uh, is interesting. I'd also say, even though they won and they're five hundred now somehow, uh, Mike Vrabel some weird decision-making. He calls a fake field goal up four and gets his punter demolished on a play that they should have, oh shouldn't have blown God. dead. So he calls oh a God. fake field goal and gets his punter killed. <laughs> I had to replay that on Lomo. He uh, got absolutely demolished. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I don't understand that, 
It was weird, uh, as was, I mean, the Bengals and, and Dolphins are still 0-8. The Bengals are actively trying to tank, as we have saw in that Monday night game when they got a lead and immediately panicked and tried to figure out the quickest way to give the lead back to the Steelers. And the Bengals are 0-8, and, 8 and they, uh, they did what all, what all franchises would probably do. They benched Andy Dalton on his birthday. <laughs> hey, happy birthday, man. Uh, you're benched. Maybe he'll get lucky and he'll get traded. Except, except that trade deadline just passed, so he's screwed. He's just going to be sitting behind the incompetent Ryan Finley. They called, yeah, Ryan Finley is just a place. So they're really just benching him for Tua or Joe Burrow or, or uh, Justin Herbert. So I think that's where they're going. Uh, and, and look, Dalton, I, he's going to have a career in the league because he can be a backup. I mean, I feel like there's another he's six, seven years of Andy he's Dalton. Start. <laughs> Denver, the Broncos. The he's the new, he's the new Matt Flynn just bouncing around the league. Uh, well, hey, football's still going. We're going to keep talking about that in the weeks to come. But Joker Sally here, Money Mitch Effect. Let's talk a little hockey because we're a month in. We made our predictions, some good, some bad. Uh, as we do this right now, I know you're probably upset that the Lightning are up one nothing going into the uh, second period with the Rangers. But what do you like so far? What, what's, been the, what, what's been, I guess, the, the most positive, shocking development? Something that surprised you that you didn't see coming? most shocking development that's kind of tough well I'll tell you mine man we were dead wrong on the Edmonton Oilers yeah sort of so you're not buying it now Uh, okay so we we, they're 8-3-1 now they're losing tonight as we do this full disclosure but (laughs) we just wanted McDavid in the playoffs so if we're going to be wrong on something I'm kind of glad that I know I (laughs) He's been ridiculous this year. Let's just throw that out there. Connor McDavid, at 22 years old, might be, in my opinion, the best athlete in the world. He's in the discussion. <laughs> like we, what That's we, what? Okay, what we measure athleticism on is usually you know jumping and you know what basketball players or football players do. But McDavid's been lights out. They know he's going to be the focal point every night, and he continues to deliver. I think what the Oilers are doing is actually getting some some solid, not great, but not terrible, some solid defense, and Dreisaitl and McDavid have put themselves up first in the Pacific. So I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by that. The counter would be the Sharks have left them a wide open hole, a door to walk through because they've been terrible, and that has opened a spot up. What's really propelled Edmonton that, other than Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid, James Neal. Coming out of nowhere. Dude's got 10 goals already to start the year. He had six last, last year. year. He, had, he had seven goals <laughs> seven, last year. Yeah. The entire season with a, with Calgary. Comes in this year. They uh, shed some money. They gave him to Edmonton. 10 goals. 10 goals already. But I'm not I'm not buying Edmonton yet. Uh, I know this isn't like a who have you beaten lately. The NHL isn't really like that. But at the beginning of the season, they haven't really – they haven't really, you know, had a super challenge. They went on the road. They played a bunch of New York teams. And they beat them all. <laughs> yeah. Rangers, Jersey, not that great. Islanders haven't been great. They beat the Kings. Kings. Kings are terrible. Kings are terrible. They beat they beat Detroit, and they lost to Winnipeg, Minnesota, Chicago. Like all their losses are against. I mean, other than Minnesota, decent teams. I mean, Chicago's not great either. But, um. I don't know. Like you said, though, McDavid is awesome. And if we're wrong about something, I'm down to be wrong about Edmonton because I'm also wrong on Dallas as of right now sucking. 
I did say San Jose wasn't going to be great this year. That was my one of my predictions, but <laughs> Minnesota's making me look dumb, so that kind of cancels out. <laughs> it's early, and we know the Blues were dead last into the new year and won the Stanley Cup, so you can get hot and make that playoff push. We see it time and time again. This is just good for looking at trends. That's a good point about the Oilers. You know, the schedule will get tougher. We'll see if they can hold on. Um, in the West, I'll start there. Uh, Minnesota being bad doesn't really surprise me, as with Chicago, but Dallas and San Jose out of the gates stumbling. Don't really like what you see with Dallas. They're just not scoring, and, and that's the shocking part there. If we if if we talked about, oh, well, the Stars are going to struggle to start, we'd probably think, oh, Bishop was lacking in that. Maybe some defensemen aren't stepping in. So they've got 25 goals on the season. Uh, that's six less than the Los Angeles Kings. So, and the Kings we mentioned. So, so you got to score. You got all these big name guys. You got these veterans, and you gave money to Pavelski. You brought in Corey Perry. You have to score. Uh, I think the team I was most right about would be a team like Calgary, because they're they're kind of you know they're they're tied I guess for that second wild card spot. It hasn't been great. There's been a lot of expectations on them. Anaheim and Vancouver. Anaheim, I, I don't see that last thing, but you know Gibson's been great going. They've struggled a little recently. But I think uh, Calgary is a team that's going to be hovering for most of this season. Vancouver got you know they're seven three and one. Bo, Bo Horvat's the captain. Pedersen's going strong. They got the other Hughes, Quinn Hughes. It's playing pretty well. So I like what they've been able to do uh, as well. But uh, let me also say, at the top of the Central Division is a team called the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, you know, I, I gotta I gotta say. Kale McCarr might be one of my top five favorite players in the league already. Oh, he's awesome. That's why I took him for my fantasy team. <laughs> he is. He, he, between him and Pedersen, man, that 2017 draft, there's going to be a battle for you know who the best player in it is. Because I don't think it's Nico and I don't think it's Patrick. Rookie of the year is going to be tough. So um, tough. This year. So tough. Uh, no, also, no, no thanks to Cabo Caco. I haven't heard his name. <laughs> no. Uh, another team in the West I want to mention, you know, the Blue, well, a couple of teams. The Blues are, are still holding strong. I think they're, you know, in that in that position where they've, you know, they've got to deal with Tarasenko being out for five months, maybe, or, you know, a couple, I think it's months, yeah, for a while. So that's going to be tough. Uh, Nashville has the most goals for in the league. They have the highest goals average. They're averaging about four a game. So <laughs> who would have thought Duchesne is the missing piece in that Nashville offense? Defense is a little suspect, but they're scoring at a blistering clip. Yeah, Roman Yossi, 13 points. How about that contract, by the way, that he signed today? (laughs) Nine mil a year, eight years, third highest paid defenseman in the league. Wow, only behind Carlson and Dowdy. He got that quick. He's having a great year starting this year. So he was like, hey, you wanted me to stick around? And they were like, yes, we do. Here you go. Uh, The worst team in the NHL right now. Worst team. As we look at it. Second worst, I should say, because the Kings are terrible. But the Devils continue to struggle. I know that's music to your ears, Joe. Uh, what? what? <laughs> but the Devils, I think we a lot of people hyped him up a little too soon. Uh, I do think Hughes is a stud. They might be the first team to fire a coach. They're considering it is what I've heard. And, uh, yeah, they're a team that just isn't quite getting out of the gates. We expected teams like Detroit and Ottawa to struggle as well. How are you feeling about the Rangers? Would be my next question. Uh, I'm iffy. I'm iffy. <laughs> Just iffy. I uh, I had no clue that they traded Nemetikov. 
to Ottawa, I was going through, like, I thought he was going to be somebody that they were going to count on a little bit this year. But it seems like they're kind of just plugging people in, seeing how they play, and if they don't like them, then I think come trade deadline, happy people are gone. Because, I I mean, I like the Banachad. He's awesome. He's been great. Panarin's been pretty good for the most part. They've been getting a lot of good play out of guys that you, I wasn't really expecting to do super well. Like Ryan Strom, for example, scoring some big-time goals, giving him some go-ahead goals um, in big games. Truba, definitely their dude on D. D'Angelo, was not expecting this from him. He's got eight points already this year on off D, four goals. And I was not expecting anything from him, especially coming over from Arizona last year. But it just seems like they're not – they're just not – they're not playing as well as I thought that they were going to play, but I guess that comes with the rebuild. And I mean, I'm, I'm here, I'm here to stay, I'm here to watch to <laughs> what turns out. Then, but I just don't see them being any better than I guess a 500 team. And then come come uh, trade deadline time, I'm not expecting this roster to look the way that it does. Yeah, well, uh, I agree. I think they're another team similar to the Devils, where. I don't think they're going to go for it right away. I, th- I think they might even sell a little bit, but they're trying to build that foundation. They're trying to get to that next level. Uh, it just sucks because, as we've mentioned time and time again, the Hank situation, trying to get him in his final years of his prime window, uh, something. Yeah, he keeps getting hurt. He, got, he, he does, hurt. and that's the thing. He's not playing great. You know, well, I mean, I, there's not much else you can do for the guy unless the team somehow spins it around. But, I mean, they're 3-5 and five right now, 3-5-1. and one. I'm still excited about the team. I'm excited they got Kako in there. I want to see him do some stuff. Uh, I'm sure Kreider's going to be gone. They got young studs like Bushnevich, who's been pretty good. And then Zibanejad is definitely the leader of the team, at least mm-hmm. in my eyes, for the most part. Well, best so. team right now in hockey is the another team in New York, the Buffalo Sabres, 9-2-2, and 20 points. Are you buying that? The Rangers, just beat, them. The Rangers, the Rangers did just, just beat them. Beat them and they, they beat them pretty good. Uh, that's a team where I want to see them. Uh, in a week or so. Let's see where their progress is at if they maintain this. 13 great games, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to keep it going. Props to them. Uh, another thing to mention, too, Joe, um, netting two tonight to get to 23 points, John Carlson from the Washington Capitals yeah. has both goals Unreal. tonight as we record this. He has been a monster uh, stepping into the into the Norris Trophy lead, I mean, not even in the discussion anymore. This could be his year. Uh, I really do. I uh, think that's the case. And the Capitals, still a fun team to watch. Still going to be just a solid top two team in their division every year. And, uh, yeah, the next goal that Ovechkin scores, because he just doesn't slow down, will tie him with uh, Luke Robitaille for uh, 11th all-time. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, just no sign of slowing down. The Capitals are a team that we continually have to watch for. Uh, lead that division over the Islanders and the Hurricanes. Isles, we just got to start. Whatever team Barry Trotz coaches, we just got to take their over on regular season wins because we always doubt them. We always think it's not going to happen, and they always start hot and just ride that into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, 8-3 so far this year. They're on a 7-game Win streak. Wait, one, two, three, four, five. See it. Yeah, they're uh, they're looking pretty good lately. Their losses coming against Carolina, Edmonton, and Washington, but they've been beating some pretty good teams, and they beat them in a row. So, I mean, 
you can't really count them out. This year, I think they're getting a little bit more scoring than they were last year. Brock Nelson leading the team 10 points. They got, uh, he's got four goals, Bailey, four goals. And, uh, but they're just that team where it's like, okay, they don't have, they don't have that guy, but somehow they do it and they, they put it together and they get wins. And that's, I mean, this is the difference between Freddie Kitchen. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would, I would rather Barry Trotz called plays for the Browns. How about that? I'm sure, he'd, I'm sure he'd do a hell of a job. Probably he, would, the same. he could probably sneak in there and be Freddie Kitchens for a game. Fit into his jacket. I think that'd be a seamless transition. Uh, the Boston Bruins are the only team with, uh, they have the fewest regulation losses with one on the season. They're 8-1-2, and two, and they're on their way to their ninth win tonight uh, over San Jose. So they'd be right tied with the Sabres with a game in hand. The, 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 the Bruins behind Pasternak and their depth and some improved play from Duke Rask. They've been incredible as well the outside picture i mean right now the wild cards pittsburgh and toronto but you got tampa bay montreal and the columbus blue jackets just a couple points out so i'm back in i'm back on board with columbus making a run for the eighth seed i I still probably don't think it'll happen but to be in the mix is kind of nice it's kind of nice i just want to go back to what we were talking about before the season started we were we were both high on the Bruins, and we were both saying they have the goal scorers, they have everything they need. It's just what Tuka Rask are they going to get this year? And they are first in the league in goals against. He's only allowed him and Halak have only allowed 23 goals this year. Tuka Rask goals allowed a game 1.48, 952 save percentage, mm. and two shutouts mm. already in 12 games. It's just absurd. That's pretty and nuts, man. If that's what they're going to get from him all season and they're going to have Pasternak leading the league in scoring, they're going to be very tough to beat. Yeah, I, well, clearly. I think Pasternak slows down like all players do, but their depth is going to be able to carry them uh, even when he's having an off night. We saw it with Marchant last year, who was the who was the bell cow. They were able to win games when he wasn't producing. Another team we were high on, just want to mention them, was the Flyers. And, you know, okay start 5-4-1. and one. But they're getting demolished you tonight by the Flyers. <laughs> Not me. Don't loop me in with that. <laughs> okay. Well, they're getting demolished by the Penguins tonight. I don't know if you saw the score five nothing four in the first. And this is just what they do. Uh, they just lay eggs, most notably against the Penguins. It kind of it, it's helping my Carter Hart's legitimately good argument because they started Brian Elliott tonight, and look at what happened. Yeah. Right. It's uh, you know. Yeah, they just can't beat them in a playoff. I'm just saying they're going to get in. Like I still think they make the playoffs. Obviously, if they play the Penguins, I would never bet on the Flyers <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah. The other team in the East that we were super high and we're both expecting to win the Cup this year are Maple Leafs. So you compare them to the way that the Bruins are playing right now. Both score a lot of goals. Maple Leafs second in goals scored. 28th in goals against in the league. So comparing... Frederick Anderson and Michael Hutchinson to Tukarask and Yaroslav Halak. Anderson, that was the big question mark for us. They, them and the, the Maple Leafs and the Bruins both have the same question marks going into this season. What type of goaltending are they going to get? And if the Maple Leafs are going to succeed, they're going to need a lot more out of Anderson. Almost three goals allowed a game, 904 save percentage, not looking great. Michael Hutchinson hasn't won a game. He's got three losses on the year. Goals allowed over four, save percentage 885. I mean... They're going to need a lot more out of them. They're scoring goals. They're just letting in way too many. Matthews almost has 10 potted on the year. They got four guys in double-digit points. Marner leading the way with 15. And I, they just they just need more out of their goaltending if they're going to succeed. That is a very good point. Um, 
I also don't think they're very tough. Uh, I've watched a few games where they're just getting pushed around, and I don't know if they're going to try to trade for somebody or somebody to promote within, but it seems like teams can kind of rough them up. And you know when you play Boston in a playoff series, that is what they're going to do. Uh, so It's strange because they, they got Cody CC. He's been leading them on D. Um, he had 120 hits. He's a big hit guy. So you think you bring in somebody like that, that somebody big, that that'll help them out. But not working so much for them. Most no. of the guys who who play uh, D for them aren't. They're not huge big guys who get a lot of hits. Like Morgan Riley's more of a offensive defenseman, 20 goals last year. And he's leading the way this year. He's got 13 points for them on D. But Jake Muzzin, you think he would be more of a mm. bruiser. He's definitely that kind of player, but it hasn't really been that way for them. I think somebody needs to tell them to kick it up a notch. I would agree. And uh, the last thing I want to want to end with is uh, a stat that I think is uh, a huge deal in determining what teams are good. I think you would agree is power play effectiveness. I think if you have a good power play, that means a lot, and it could propel you to a lot of success. And just listen to this, Joe. The the top ten in power play, top two right now are Edmonton, Boston. Thirty three percent for Edmonton, thirty two percent for Boston in over thirty three tries. Then it goes Buffalo, Islanders, Montreal, Philly, St. Louis, Vegas, Washington, and Tampa. Tampa number ten at twenty four percent. So if you have a good power play, some of those teams we weren't expecting to be good are at the top of the standings because of it. And then I want to talk about the flip side because it's truly remarkable that we have. One, two, three, four, five, six teams right now that have had over 30 power play attempts and are, are, are scoring at less than 1%. Ottawa, Ooh. Dallas, New Jersey, the Kings, Blackhawks, and Ducks. Ottawa's two Dallas. for, Ottawa's two for, or 5%, I should say. They're less than, they're, they're all less than 10%. But Ottawa is at 5.4%. Dallas is at 8.3% on their power play. Even the once mighty Blackhawks and Ducks. Or at nine point seven percent each. So Dallas that, needs to get up out of there. <laughs> yeah, be, they need. That's not good. No, and Columbus is making wholesale changes in their power play. They're seventh worst in the league at eleven percent. But yeah, I mean Dallas, look three for thirty six on the power play with all that talent. Come on. I don't know what's got to hear for them. But do you remember you said Oilers are number one in power play? Yeah. And remember that guy we talked about earlier, James Neal. He's got 10 goals this year. Seven of those goals are power play goals. He's first in the league in power play goals. Insane. It is insane. Uh, and is, he, is he going to keep that up? That, that's a big question. There's nobody else on this list from Edmonton. It's James Neal. He fits that power play so well because you have McDavid creating space. You have Dreisaitl out there. And uh, you just put you just put Neal in a shooting position. They're obviously, he's obviously going to get looks. Those are great playmakers, and uh, it's fit pretty well. Oh, obviously, it's easy to say in hindsight, but a much better position than Calgary was for him. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Joe, this was a blast. How was the hike, by the way? I know you were you were getting some altitude. How was the trip, and how was uh, all that hiking? Yeah, it was, uh, it was intense. We went over to Tanzania, did a safari, and then we climbed Kilimanjaro. It was uh, seven days, six nights the climb first couple days weren't too bad as far as hiking goes i mean because we practice around here in washington go around and there some of the ones here are even harder than those first couple days but i mean it rained quite a bit so our stuff was wet and i mean the sun finally came out like the third day or so and that was amazing just seeing the sunrise over the mountain 
and then all the views and but that last day that last day was easily the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life wow. it was uh, I mean it was just all of us it was the hardest thing we ever had to do so you start you start the very beginning of the climb the Moshi is the area and the gate is called Machem it's like the, the starting area and that's 6,000 feet you go from 6,000 feet to 10,000 feet in the first day and you go from 10,000 to 12,000 then you go from 12,000 to 15,000 to have lunch just to kind of help your body get assimilated to that altitude and then you kind of feel it a little bit you're up there trying to eat lunch and you're like alright this my head is, feels like it's going to explode and then you go back down to 12 and then the next day you go up to 13 and you stay at 13 so your body gets used to that oh. but then you go for that last day um, before the, the day before the last the day before the, the, the ascent to the top you go from 13 to 15 so you hike in that morning for 3 hours and then you you, t- you have lunch. We took you take a nap, but you can't really sleep, so you kind of just chill. And then you wake up, have dinner, and then you go back to sleep. But you don't really go back to sleep because y- your mind is just racing. You're like, oh my god, like what are we gonna do? Because you're sitting there at base camp at fifteen thousand, a little over fifteen thousand feet, and you're seeing people come down from the top. Their eyes are all bloodshot. Oh. Faces are all red. They're being held down. You're just like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. <laughs> like what are we? What are we? doing like why are we here what why do what what, what compelled us to do this it's the same then, question you ask about being a broncos fan <laughs> <laughs> but then you uh you get up they wake you up at 11 p.m you wake up at 11 p.m that same day you have breakfast hmm. quote-unquote breakfast which is like popcorn and chocolate yeah. or whatever and then at midnight you start the climb to the top wow. so it's pitch black and we woke up in a snowstorm. There was hail. Our tent was like covered in covered in snow. And then yeah, you're sleeping outside in that elements every day, so it's pretty cold. But we start at midnight, and you're going up, and it's super super steep. And it takes seven hours to get from base camp to the peak. And you're going up, going up, and it's there's a blizzard, and the wind is blowing, and everything is slippery, and it's crazy. You're just like, what? Like, why am I doing this? And you're completely covered in everything, just. I don't want to say you're miserable, but you're like going up and it's like super, super tough because you're trying to breathe and the air is pretty thin and it's just cold. And But you turn around and it's just amazing because like, there's a bunch of people that are trying to do this at the same time. So it's uh-huh. kind of like a row of Christmas lights. It's just like a bunch of lights, people's headlamps. But then you're going up and up and up and up. And at the six hour mark, you get to a point called, it's called Stella Point. And a lot of people quit there because that's, I mean, you're already up at like 18,000 feet there, maybe a little higher. And people, they just can't handle it. I mean, it's hard, but I mean, I get why they would go down. So you get to that point at six, at the six hour mark, which you're just like, oh my God, thank God, because you're just going straight up for six hours. Oh, and man. it's, you're going very slow, everything, you go very slow. And then you, you were at cell point for like five minutes, you take a little break. <laughs> and uh, it's so cold. So I, I had to pee really bad. And I, <laughs> You're going up this thing. You're drinking a lot of water, so you yeah, of course. Yeah, oh my God, I don't want to take my gloves off. It's freezing out here. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I gotta pee. So I I go to pee and I take my glove off. And like as I go to pee, I like look down at my hand as I make a fist, and it was so cold that the skin on the top of my hand just split apart. Oh no! And I was I just watched the skin on my hand just split apart. I was like, oh my God. Okay, so I put my glove back on, and then 
we started going up to the top and you get to the top which is i mean it was i'll show you i'll show you pictures but it was just like getting there just the snow and everything blowing in your face and but it worth was, it, it when you get there but worth it when you get there you get there and you're just like hell yeah like, <laughs> i made it to the top of this. and i mean you're only up there they only let you stay up there for 10 minutes we were only up there for like 10 minutes because they're just so th- you're 19,341 feet in the air so it, there's not much oxygen up there no. so you take your pictures and then you hike three hours back down to base camp so you just did seven hours and you did three hours in the morning so you did 10 hours in a 24-hour period and then you do three more hours to base camp and then we had lunch and then we packed our stuff up and then we had to hike four more hours oh, down man. because we needed to get at lower elevation so we did like 15 hours or so on that day a lot that summit day we were just completely dead but i mean there's like so there's so much adrenaline that you're not you know you're not sore like you wake up and you're like all right let's let's go but that very next day when we got to the hotel we obviously we slept the night and then when i woke up i was just like (laughs) 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 cannot move at all it's just like my body hates me wow boy that that's an awesome awesome. that's awesome congratulations on that that's a heck of an accomplishment yeah you get to the bottom of the mountain they give you a certificate it was like i think we were number 400 and 39,000 something to have ever completed it so less than half a million people have done it and I did it so there you go I'm so you got back down to the bottom and you're just like did Kafo score I need to know <laughs> as you score <laughs> I was more like did the Broncos win a game and I was like holy shit they won two games wow did it and just I for you got then, got lifted by that by that climbing of Kilimanjaro to win you a couple games but Joe, this was a blast. Appreciate you coming on, obviously, and uh, definitely appreciate you telling that story at the end. And uh, we'll have to catch up again soon. Catch up, catch up again soon when hockey season keeps going on, and uh, hopefully our teams are doing a little better. Yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll see you. I'll be there this weekend. Oh, look at that! The plot thickens. Well, we'll have to definitely catch up <laughs> uh, over some games. But thanks again, Joe, for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Joe Crisali for coming on today's show. And, uh, yeah, James Neal actually scored another power play goal last night uh, against my Blue Jackets, so he continues to score. I have to update that one. But, wow, wow indeed. Uh, and Capo scored too, so we were talking about that. But thanks again to Joe and for sharing that story, a tremendous uh, achievement. You can catch every Money Mitch Effect episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect and it pops right up. Follow me on Twitter, Money Mitch M21, and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some great content as well. Lots happening in the sports world. Congrats to the Nationals for winning the World Series in seven games, a seven-game series in which the road team won every game. Strasburg winning MVP, phenomenal stuff for them. Howie Kendrick just hitting a game ahead, go-ahead winning home run. Incredible there. Some fights this weekend in both UFC and boxing. We have Masvidal Diaz for the BMF belt. UFC 244 Madison Square Garden. And Canelo Alvarez is moving up a couple of weight classes to take on Kovalev, Alexei Kovalev there. Kovalev can beat him, I think, but it's going to be tough. He's uh, he's getting a little older and Canelo is in his prime, but we don't know about the weight class situation. Lots of good college football uh, as well. Chase Young is a monster. Just want to throw that out there. So make sure whatever you're watching, you enjoy sports this weekend. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect, and I'll be talking to you soon.